This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Destinations International. PDM stands for Professional in Destination Management, and a PDM certificate program provides those new to the sector or those looking to deepen their understanding of the fundamentals of destination marketing, management, and sales with cutting-edge education, conveniently accessible online 24-7. This comprehensive program offers the critical skills and information necessary for a career in the travel and tourism industry, and it's a great way to get started learning the skills that you need. And if you have four or more on your team that are looking to earn their certificates, bulk discounts are available. For more, go to destinationsinternational.org and click on the education link in the main menu. And now it's on to our show. Our guest today is Robert Lopez, a Texas native with a background in journalism, hospitality management, and sales, and who is just completing his first year as vice president of the Abilene Convention and Visitors Bureau. Robert is originally from McAllen, Texas, getting a degree in broadcast journalism from the University of Texas Pan American, and later working in the hospitality industry, becoming vice president of Visit McAllen in 2012, where he managed a team of six, led international marketing efforts, spearheaded a marketing program cooperatively with the city of McAllen, and operated as the chief administrator for the McAllen Chamber of Commerce's Tourism Division before being selected to lead Abilene's destination marketing effort last year. Robert Lopez, welcome to DMO. You. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's been almost a year to the day. Tell us how the honeymoon has gone and tell us the highlights of stepping into a brand new destination. Yeah, it has been almost a year, I believe. Uh, this I moved here to Abilene March 17th or so and, and started shortly after that. And so it's been a great experience. I think uh, as professionals in the CVB world, we understand that, you know, it takes time for things to come to fruition and changes don't just happen overnight. And so it's been a year of slow and steady, yep. fine tuning and adjustments. And I think we're, we're getting to a good, a good place. And, but you know, the work is never done. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to get to this as we begin to talk about the refresh that you've done with the brand. But your first few months on the ground, like I think most of us, when we take on a new destination, it was, uh, you know, it was the Robert listening tour, right? You were out there talking to a lot of people. Meeting and eating. That's what I was doing the first three, <laughs> the first three months. It. it was just getting to know the stakeholders, finding out what was important to people, finding out what we could do better. Uh, especially in a community like Abilene, there's a lot of community pride and people, you know, love living here and they're proud of the city. Yeah. And with good reason. So first question, you've recently led that refreshment of the community brand for Abilene. Some brands are evergreen, but you felt that Abilene's was not after your listening tour. So share with us the rationale behind your destination rebrand. Yeah, well, like I said, I spent the first few months meeting and eating and talking to stakeholders, community leaders, and, uh, and industry professionals here in the area, and most importantly, talking to the staff. And there was a consensus when I asked what we could do better. And 
overwhelming majority of the people said that we could update our creative and do a better job at our creative output. We were doing the advertising span. We were yeah. doing the right placements. It was just the, the image, the imaging wasn't, wasn't correct. And, and so I'm a firm believer that you can't be successful at marketing if you don't have the branding part right first. And so we made the bold move to halt all of our advertising dollars and use that money to work on our discovering what our brand identity was. It's not that it was wrong. It's just that it, it just didn't really exist. There really wasn't an identity. Yeah. Um, when people think of the destination, it wasn't painting a picture in someone's head that hasn't been here. And so, you know, we wanted to shape that narrative. We wanted to really peel back the layers and find out what makes Abilene a special destination, what makes it unique in Texas and in West Texas. And what is that? What is that identity? What are we all about? Let's tell that story. And I'll tell you this, Bill, it wasn't like something that I took lightly, especially in a city like Abilene, where people are proud of the, of the destination and proud of the community. And so this is not something that uh, a destination uh, marketing organization would typically want to do. It's not something that you, you don't do it often, but there was a lot happening when I got here. The downtown cultural district is going through a revitalization. Cool. There's a new downtown hotel set to open June of 2023. So there's a lot of this momentum. And then when you have a new CVB vice president, you know, there's that change. And so it wasn't just about us needing to update our creative. The timing was also right. So with all the changes going on in the city, our marketing efforts needed to keep pace with that too. And so in order to keep pace with our marketing efforts, we needed to discover what the identity of, of Abilene really, really was. And so it's not something that I would advise everybody to just do on a whim. But the timing was right, the community was ready, and I really felt that we had the staff and the expertise to really pull this off. And you also, as I read in the article that hipped me to what you guys were doing down there, you also had a little bit of baggage from the last branding experience, what, 10, 12, 15 years ago, that people really didn't embrace uh, as well as they're embracing this one, right? Yeah, that's right. And saying the word rebrand... We had to be very careful how we used the word and, you know, calling it a refresh was a little bit easier to swallow for a lot of people at first because there was an experience in, um, in 2012 where an outside firm, and this is just from conversations that I've had with people and from some files that I found. And so I don't know every single detail, but I do know that, you know, an outside agency came in right. and then they did all the, the work, you know, the whole scientific method from surveys to focus groups and all that stuff that you need to do to really figure out what your messaging is. They did all that legwork and hosted a, a large reveal event at a historic theater here downtown where they uh, unveiled the, the logo and I'm, I'm not sure what else they presented at that time, but it really was not received well by everybody. Now, art uh, is subjective, right? So right. not everybody's going to understand or not everybody's going to agree, but you do your best to try to get the right people to get on board. And they just didn't have the right people. They really fell flat when it came to the, the, the logo design work. In my opinion, there's a lot of things that 
are involved with the brand identity. And the logo is just one component. Mm -hmm. Now it's the most visual and the most visible component. So that's the one that's going to be judged the most. But they really fell flat on that part, in, in my personal opinion, too. And it was a calculated risk on my decision, but it was a necessary risk that uh, I'm just grateful that the community has accepted. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes there really isn't a reason other than the editor of the newspaper or somebody who's got some influence in town is having a bad day and, and, and want to blow somebody up. I've seen some really great brands. And you're right. And we'll talk to, about that in our third question. Great brands that is way more than a logo and real thought and research put into it, but just for whatever reason. And it happens a lot. And, you know, I've told a lot of people and, you know, you went ahead and, and rolled with it and the community is embracing it. And you're one of the lucky ones. I, I tell a lot of my clients, you know something, if you're going to do a refresh or a rebrand, do it. Don't tell anybody, yeah. just start using it and then go back a year later and go, look at what we've done with this new brand. We're up 25% because there's always going to be somebody lying in the weeds trying to blow you up because they don't like the color or they don't like the font or, you know, I mean, Wes in Stockton took just a ton of crap for his logo a number of years ago. And it's one of the most stylish logos out there, but people just didn't like it because a couple of the letters are on their sides. It's like. Come on, you guys. Yeah. It's not just the logo. So I will say this, though. I never, I, I prefaced every meeting that I had with a board member or an elected official when I was showing them some of the artwork. I prefaced it by saying a logo isn't about what one likes or what one dislikes, it's about what works. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. So, in most destination branding processes or brand refreshments, the ultimate goal is to create a meaningful message that will cause a potential visitor to take an action. In your process, though, you said you were making intentional choices with the community in mind. Is that part of the luggage that you inherited? Or do you really see that the logo, the brand, all of that has to be something that the community takes a great deal of pride in? So it, you really have multiple audiences. Well, it's, it's the number one thing because we do not own the Abilene brand. <laughs> you know, the CVB does not own the Abilene brand. It belongs to the community. Mm -hmm. It's a community asset. It belongs to the, to the community that exists here today, but even, but it even predates that it belongs to the founders of the city in the, uh, in the late 1900s. It belongs to the settlers before that who were roaming this frontier of Texas, um, it belongs to everyone. We don't own the brand. And if you notice, it does not say Convention and Visitors Bureau on the design, nor does it have any self-serving purpose when we're reading the, uh, the destination promise. You know, it really belongs to the community. It's a community asset. We are merely the stewards of it. And it's a responsibility that we take very seriously. And so we wanted to make sure that it really reflected the community, its history, its geography, and its personality. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and putting this all together in one year is not an easy task because as you said, you were, you know, eating and greeting and doing all that, you know, learning the community stuff. So the third question really is, as we've been talking about people who aren't, conversant in this art and science of branding, just look at the logo. And you said it at the outset, it's the most visible incarnation of what a brand is, but it's just one facet. 
the article that I read announcing the new brand, you said it's really a promise of what a visitor can expect. So tell us how, as a relatively new resident of Abilene, how were you able to get your hands around and settle on what that promise is? Well, everything that I do, I, I do it with intense focus and discipline, drive, desire. I mean, I, I really believe that as destination marketing professionals, we have amazing jobs and important jobs. And I, I, I love coming to work every day, every drive to and from home and the office. I'm looking at the signs. I'm looking at the types of trees. Uh, I'm looking at the facades of buildings. I'm, I'm reading the Abilene history book, you know, the, the literally the book titled Abilene history, trying to uncover everything I can learn uh -huh. about the destination in a genuinely curious way. I genuinely want to know why is it called the key city? Why do I see frontier city? Why do I see key city? What does it mean? And having these conversations um, with people that have lived there their whole life, lived here their whole lives, even more so though, my wife who also moved here with me having fresh eyes and she's from Mexico. So she has a complete fresh eyes of West Texas. So getting different perspectives, getting different viewpoints and really uncovering that, but it really comes down to an intense focus and a genuine curiosity about the destination and the story you're trying to tell. And you say a year, we did this in about three or four months. Yeah. Well, and it really is that balancing act, isn't it? Because the people who live it every day don't see it the same way that a visitor sees it or that a new resident sees it. And especially when you've got a community, and I call them lifers. So these are individuals who've lived their whole life there and you know, will tell anybody that will listen. And now that we have social media, <laughs> it's like a weapon to tell everybody it was, it's not as good as it used to be. It was way better 30 years ago. It was way better 40 years ago. And always, you know, kind of run down a community and it happens everywhere. Everywhere we go, we're faced with lifers who want to say, no, that's not going to work or no, that's not very good. And yet you talk to 20 and 30 year olds who have just moved to the community and they think it's the best place on earth. That's the beauty, I think, of, of hitting the ground running and moving on brand as fast as you did because you still had those fresh eyes. Yeah, and I'll give you the perfect example. So I come before here, I would, I'm born and raised in McAllen, Texas, which is deep south Texas in the Rio Grande Valley, subtropical climate down there, palm trees everywhere. Yeah. And when you live around these palm trees, you forget they even exist. You're so desensitized to them. But then when you have a visitor from out of town, and they comment on the palm trees like, wow, the palm trees everywhere. I feel like I'm in California. I feel like, um, you know, at a tropical destination. And you're like, oh, yeah, they are nice. Right. And and I think it, it was exactly the same thing here in Abilene. I think sometimes people get uh, desensitized to the beauty that's around them, especially when you're a resident. I'm grateful and thankful that we our office is located in the historic downtown Abilene. And so these historic buildings that each one of them has its own story. Our office is the former railroad depot, which, which the city was really founded on. And so I apologize in advance if you hear a train rushing by because it's a, the train tracks are about 20 yards away from me, but it's, a, it's almost like a monument because it's what the city was founded on. And so some of these beautiful buildings and their architecture or the train that might be a nuisance to someone, it's actually really a huge part of the history and all of these things came into play when it was when we were trying to figure out hey what is that destination promise that we're going to write that's going to be the foundation 
for everything that we do from how we conduct ourselves at a trade show booth to the copy that we write on an ad to the style of words that we use when we're creating content for a blog. If we have a question on if we're doing it right, then we look back at that destination promise and we say, does it align with our destination promise? Yes or no. How do we outfit our trade show booth? What are we going to decorate it like? Oh, let's do this. Let's do a neon sign. Okay. Does the neon sign connect back to our destination promise? No, it doesn't. Okay. Then we don't do a neon sign. The destination promise is the foundation from which every other move is made, whether it's a marketing, a sales, you know, trade show decoration, collateral that we give away or the, you know, the fun giveaways to, that we give to convention attendees or sports groups, mm -hmm. everything ties back to the destination promise. And if you do that over time, you'll be successful. And that's why you felt it was so imperative to hit the ground running and doing that as fast as you could, even though, as you said, that's, that's a little dangerous for the, the new guy to come in and say, we're going to change up everything where it had been working pretty well. I mean, it could have been working maybe a little bit better in some people's minds, as you said, but it wasn't like you walked into a train wreck. No. And I'm so grateful, um, actually. And I'm glad you brought that up because my predecessor was here for 36 years. She really built a solid foundation within the community yeah. about understanding the value of tourism and the value that a convention and visitors bureau uh, brings to the city. And so she really drove that message home for 36 years. So when I arrived, it wasn't in bad shape. We've got an amazing sales team. We've got a great convention services group from top to bottom. We have experienced and qualified staff. And so it was just a matter of the creative stuff getting on path. And when I was hired, the one message that the hiring committee kept repeating to me is we want to take it to the next level. We want to take it to the next level. We want to take it to the next level. And, you know, in my previous destination, or my previous job in McAllen, yeah. my creativity and some of the skill sets that I bring to the table, as far as thinking differently about things or creatively being able to solve problems. Um, wasn't really embraced as much. And that's because the foundation wasn't strong there. The foundation of the importance of a CVB wasn't, wasn't there. So when I come here and I realize that people trust the CVB, people look at it as the authority for the tourism and hospitality industry, then I knew that the community would be open to these changes. And I had the confidence that creatively we'd be able to pull it off. You know, that's, that's why we took that chance and you know, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't feel like we could pull it off. And my mindset was, if we go through this process and I don't yeah. look at a logo design and say, like, I absolutely love that. It's the best. And I feel it. Then just stick with the old one. Because the one thing that the older one had was longevity, right? So people had been used to seeing it. That's the only thing it had going for it. So I was going to say, you know what, we stick to that one. If we didn't find one that we love, I wasn't just going to change it to change it. And then two years later have to change it again. Right. And you know, it's, uh, I'm really proud of it. The staff is proud of it. Uh, yeah. Community members are proud of it and it's worked out well. Yeah. The new look is sensational. It really is. I was really taken uh, when I saw it for the first time, but I want to make sure that I, I, I say one thing, first about the brand identity. And I mentioned it before, it's about the destination promise. And it's three simple sentences 
but it's not easy to do. It took me three months to write this, right? And I, and I had to stress to our board, it's like working out, right? If someone asks you, uh, man, how do I get in shape? Well, eat less, move more. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. And that's the same principle with this destination promise. It's three well-done sentences that really encapsulate, uh, like I said, it shapes every decision that you make. And so I want, I want to read that to you. Abilene represents the frontier spirit by honoring its heritage while embracing the future. Its storied past gives rise to a charming and flourishing historic downtown cultural district with educational museums, urban parks, and a public art scene featuring an unrivaled collection of storybook sculptures. Abilene's authentic, welcoming sense of community and Texas traditions make for enriching experiences that create lifelong memories for visitors. Love it. That's the foundation for everything we do. Yeah. Now, that's not copy that we would put on an advertising, you know, advertisement, but the copy that we use in an advertisement must relate to that. Does it tie back to that? Does it help us tell that story? Well, it's like mission statements, right? A really well-crafted mission statement will keep the organization absolutely focused. You know, one that is too porous, then you end up doing all kinds of stuff that don't realign back to your mission. And one that is too restrictive holds you back from greatness. And I think this is the same thing. This brand promise, everything flows from that, as you said. And I think that uh, you guys have done an amazing job. So here's what I'm going to do. I, I know we say three questions in a bonus round, but hell, it's my show, so I can go for it. Okay. So my last question for you, as others look at what you've done in Abilene and mm-hmm. think about doing it in their destinations, in their communities, is there any cautionary tale? Is there any moment in the process where you said, oops, I mean, clearly you got out of that oops if it happened, but is there anything to look out for when you're going down this path? Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is not something that any organization should take lightly. It's, it's very important. Um, and every destination will be different in its makeup, whether it's a chamber entity, a standalone entity, whether it's a city department, and all of those dynamics come into play. Of course, the timing has to be right. The city has to be open and welcoming to the change. And then, of course, you have to have the team that will be able to execute on the idea. And I think another thing also is, as someone who's leading that branding exercise, take your personal opinions out of it. Take yourself out of the equation. And again, I go back to that quote. A good logo is not about what one likes or what one dislikes. It's about what works. Art is very subjective. And essentially, that's what we're creating. And Branding for a destination is very different than branding for a product. And so let's say I want to create a beverage and then I say, okay, let's make it an energy drink. And then, okay, well, let's, let's make it an energy drink and let's target college students. Okay. And let's target college students from this demographic. And then you can create the brand around the demographic that you're trying to target. Well, you can't change what the city is. It is what it is. And so you've really taken the time to figure out what makes the destination unique, what makes it special. It's not easy to do. It really takes an intense focus and an intense drive and a little bit of fear to not get it wrong. And relationships are the most important thing. Talking to the right people, accessing the right people, asking them for their opinion, and making sure that you get that buy-in along the way. I do caution people in doing it because it's not something that you want to do all the time. And it's not something that you want to change because the way it works is through longevity over time. Avoid trends, 
you know, and that's immediately what we want to do is we want to go to like, hey, this looks cool. It's, is it, it's trendy. Well, it should not be trendy. It should stand the test of time. It should work on something as small as a, a stamp or as large as a billboard. I mean, the basic yeah. principles of logo design. You know, I have a background in journalism, so I know how to describe, to articulate myself with words. But I also um, have an eye for design, so I know I know what I don't know. And so I seek experts for help, and I take my personal opinions out of it. Have humility and... Don't make it about the Convention and Visitors Bureau. It's not about us. Yeah. It's about the destination. It's not about us. It's about the destination. Well, congratulations. You've done just an amazing job in your first year there. It's time for the bonus round question. We have, in our over 100 episodes, heard a lot of really interesting hobbies as we try to get to know you a little bit better. And you've got one. So tell us about yours. Like I said, I, I came from deep south Texas, it's great, warm, year-round weather. And so I enjoy collecting and growing tropical plants. And so, I mean, I probably have easily more than 100 different tropical plants. I mean, just here in my office, I have a dozen. Wow. And all different types. And it's, it was challenging because, you know, when you come from a hot, humid, mild winter region to West Texas, where you have huge temperature swings, very dry air, a very different climate, and then you have tropical plants. And so trying to uh, manage those. And, and now that I've seen the whole year of seasons, I, I've, I've got it down. I lost a few plants along the way, yeah. but it's a, it's a hobby that my wife and I both share. And so when I'm not at work, we like to work on the plants. We like to work in, in the yard. And it's just something that you know we enjoy doing together. And I like it for, and what I've realized is that I, a lot of the reasons why I like gardening and, and tropical plants in particular um, is because of the different variables that come into play in making sure that a, pan, a plant is thriving, whether it's the humidity and the weather in the air that affects the container that you put it in, that affects the soil medium that you use and the sunlight where you place it. But if you change one, and you change the others, it's like, a, it's variables, right? So you don't need to have all of them. Sure. If you change just, okay, we need the soil to stay, soil to stay moist. Let's get a more, you know, loamy soil. And so you just make these adjustments and, and it's the same in my work life, right? It's like, everything's not always going to be perfect. Let's play with the hand that we're dealt and let's adjust accordingly. Right. And so maybe it's that same mindset that draws me to plants. I recently have been very intrigued at the world of bonsai trees mm -hmm. and you know with a bonsai tree it's like okay i'm gonna have a tree this year it's gonna look terrible for the next 18 months but in 18 months i might be able to start shaping it and trimming it so that in three years it can look beautiful and it's that same principle that i take here at work it's the little things over time that result in great end results and so you know what is it what is that saying like uh, success is a compilation of a lot of small successes along the way or something like that you know it's mm -hmm. yeah so delayed gratification planting the seeds now and reaping and reaping the rewards in the future and so it's it's my hobby but it's also that same mindset that i take in work too yeah and there is a connection there obviously because what we do in destination marketing is part art and part science, and that's exactly what you're doing. Gardening, especially at that high level of exotic plants, 
it is. There's there's science there, but also a degree of art. So very cool. You might lose one along the way. You might have some failures at work along the way, and it's okay because people ask me how I how I developed a green thumb. Well, I killed a lot of plants first, right? <laughs> you know, and so it's the same thing with work, right? It's like, hey, you know what? We tried that thing. It didn't work. What didn't work? Okay, let's do it again, but let's fix it. Same thing with the plants. Yeah. Like, why didn't that work? Man, this abilene sun in July was really strong. That needs to be in the shade, even though it says full sun. You know, adjusting along the way and learning from your mistakes. So, so yeah, it's that thing that I have with my personality that also helps me be successful yeah. on the job. Hey, Robert, thank you for sharing your story and all the best as you start your second year in Abilene. We're looking for great things. And again, congratulations on the refresh. Um, I think uh, from miles away as we watch, um, we've been very, very impressed. So uh, congratulations. Well, Bill, thank you for uh, inviting me on the show to, to share our story. And for anyone that's thinking about taking on this refresh or rebrand uh, project, I hope that there was some small takeaway that someone could relate to. And, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful to be here in Abilene. I'm just happy to be in the line of work that we're in. And I think we should all be proud of what we do. It's a great world. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers, this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Thanks again to our sponsor, our friends at Destinations International. PDM stands for Professional and Destination Management, and the PDM Certificate Program provides those new to the sector or those looking to deepen their understanding of the fundamentals of destination marketing, management, and sales with cutting-edge education, conveniently accessible online, 24-7. For more, go to destinationsinternational.org, click on the education link in the main menu. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, our book, Destination Leadership, links to subscribe to the Z News and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.